Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's Neil Atkinson hosting post-match warm-up. This normally doesn't happen. Normally I don't do this kind of thing. Uh, normally it is Ian Ryan uh, who does this sort of thing. But instead, on this one... Uh, it is me. Uh, unfortunately, Ian's got a little bit of a cold and at the Anfield Wrap we try to discourage people from coming in if they're not feeling 100%. Uh, because it's just talking about football ultimately. Uh, so there's no reason to take any chances. So we will look into Sheffield United. Coming up, I've got Anna Wilson uh, talking about the madness. It appears that since I had my conversation with Anna, which was not that long ago, uh, and now uh, Chris Wilder has been appointed as Sheffield United manager, but that does not mean he will necessarily be uh, able to do much with reference to the team before this one on Wednesday night. But I want to start having a bit, a little bit more reflection on, on Fulham, Mike, and learning uh, from it and going from there. One of the things it's done is it's opened up the now traditional Trent Alexander-Arnold into midfield conversation. Uh, Trent does good things in midfield and immediately thereafter there is always uh, a raft of pieces and arguments that he should be moved into midfield pretty permanently. The issue I sort of I always come back to is it isn't as though you get to clone him. Uh, so it's not the conversation is not whether or not you have Trent Alexander-Arnold or McAllister or Sabozlai. It's whether you have Joe Gomez or McAllister or Sabozlai on the pitch. It's it's Klopp himself made made the changes to make him more into a midfielder. Essentially, like the Gomez change is is, is the biggest signifier, isn't it? We want you at right back, me on centre midfield, and that's fine. I think within the game. And I, I was thinking a lot since since Fulham, really. I wonder if that's the way we go permanently. And I don't know how far off we are getting there permanently or if it's really close and actually we'll just buy a right back soon. But the, while, while we are where we are, you, you've sort of got to balance everything, haven't you? You've got to balance how many... Especially now it doesn't an injury to matter in, in the centre-half, sort of four or five, which, which Gomez may now have to be included in, um, depending on how long he's out for. You Then yeah. you'd think, well... What right back cover have we got? Connor Bradley. Um, could you could you maybe do just Gomez there, play Quanser centre half, and you want to give one of the other ones a rest? It's it's at the minute it's just a little bit of a thing where Klopp will do it in the game where he's doing it now anyway because we've been doing it for a while, haven't we? With the him stepping into midfield thing, um, and then, as I said before, the changes that he sort of really wanted to get his influence further up the pitch and and just outright in midfield. From Sunday onwards, I thought, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one where we'll be going, and I think you will see it more this season. But again, probably more within games rather than actually just starting outright. Mm. With you know uh, the back four that really ends the match, you'd say, and maybe that's going to happen at some point soon. Um, you might even see that back four start even even tomorrow night, really, uh, and see the the whole switch around of Trent getting minutes there and, and 
we've got to manage them, haven't we? Because we've got Palace at the weekend. Thankfully, we've got a dead rubber in the Europa League after. So, so it's an interesting period for the manager. I th- I, you're right, because it is a conversation that we have over and over again. And that's why, to some extent, I'm a little bit bored of it because I don't think the nature of the conversation has actually changed that much. And it needs to be not about what you gain in midfield by trend kind of moving into a different position. It's about what you lose. And I think in midfield at the minute, we've got a lot of options. And I think Mike's right. I don't really know who steps into that role if you make that move with Trent. And it's rather than talking about what we'd gain in one area of the pitch, it's much more significant to talk about what you'd lose in another one. And I think while, you know, the weekend was really great and fun, I thought defensively we were pretty crap, to be honest. And I think that by... You definitely miss Andy Robertson at the minute. And I think you notice when that kind of calibre of football isn't there and when you've got to move to the next available option. I think if you have to do that with Trent from the start, like Mike says, you really would feel it. It makes more sense in a game if you need to adapt to move him into a different position. But starting without him there, I think is daft. It, it feels very Benitez Gerard uh, to me, this Josh, where there will be, there'll constantly be a desire for it to be a little bit different, for it to be made a little bit different. I think another part of this as well is is the standard of the player from right back. I think you can get hung up on the defensive aspects. I think there is, you know, there's constant for me mileage and being able to go, this is what Kieran Trippier got wrong this weekend. This is what Aaron Rambasaka got wrong this weekend. This is what Rhys James got wrong this weekend. And as I've said on another show, if Rhys James had had, if, sorry, if Trent Alexander-Arnold had had Rhys James this season so far, there'd be questions getting asked in Parliament uh, about it, uh, the, way in which, the way in which it is. Um, you know, I, I feel as though... It, because it feels like a talking point, it will be a talking point. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's. I think it is a talking point, though, and I, I, I do think there's some legs in it. But I think a lot of the the narratives around it and a lot of the opinions on it, especially from like pundits who don't especially support Liverpool, their the, their perspective on it is just Trent's really good on the ball, so you're playing in midfield because midfielders tend to be really good on the ball. Fullbacks don't just based on like Premier League history. But I think once you delve into it deeper, as like a Liverpool fan, you do realise there's a bit more to it in terms of like the right back that comes in is Joe Gomez. Then if you're picking Liverpool's best eleven, Joe Gomez is arguably the weakest player in that eleven, or certainly the least threatening in in, in that eleven. Um so it is a problem in that sense when in terms in terms of moving sentence in midfield, you kind of suffer that kind of attack and blow almost. But to, to go back to Benitez on that, Josh, like I remember, for instance, watching Benitez teams and the opposition were really happy for Abelow to have the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I like about us at the minute, uh, at our best at least, is I don't feel as though there's a single player on the pitch, even including the goalkeeper in a funny way. Yeah. You, you, the opposition are comfortable having the ball. And I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing for a football team. Well, that's what, that, that's what Man United have realised with Wan-Bissaka. Uh, a few years back, they played the Europa League final, I think it was, against Villarreal. And Unai Emery was just, let Wan-Bissaka have the ball. He's he's not going to kill us, he's not going to be a problem. And I think Pep Linders as well has, has touched on this. I've quoted him a few times in a few pieces, I think, saying like, um, we, I think he said something along the lines of, we want we want the last pass from everywhere. We want the last pass from, from every position on the pitch, including Alisson, he said. And we, we, we have that with Trent as a right-back. I think there would be scope to do it, but I don't think it happens this season on a permanent basis. And I think the way in which we conducted our business in the summer, getting four midfielders in, I think if it was going to happen, it, it maybe would have happened in the summer. Rather than getting four, you maybe get three and a right-back. And the right-back got to be top quality, like a Lucas Hernandez when Bayern did it with um, Joshua Kimmich yeah. um, or a Pavard who, or whoever's been doing it. But Liverpool went and bought four midfielders and that suggests to me that Trent is going to be predominantly still a right-back who situationally tucks inside as a midfielder. 
Uh, another one who leaves is one of the ones who was bought in the summer. That game with his reputation uh, heightened is uh, Wataru Endo. Uh, Amelia, I think the goal helps. The goals always help in this regard. But I think the nature of the goal helps. It doesn't come from a set piece. He passes it into the roof of the net brilliantly. But also you got to see, for instance, he came on and you saw him simply pitch the team up a level from where Gravenberg was at that moment. And we all think Gravenberg's great. Yeah. So I think the idea of Endo showing, at the very least in terms of being able to come off the bench, but maybe just maybe put himself into contention for a starting position for this one against Sheffield United. I think the idea of being able to see him not just as a, a filling in player in a Europa League game or something like that, but seeing him as an, an actual bonus in a live football match that Liverpool are desperate to win. I think that's what sort of increases his reputation around the camp at the minute. Yeah, completely. And I think if I'm being totally honest, I had seen him as that up until this point, as a player that comes in and kind of is is filling a space, which probably does him a disservice to say that because he has shown promise yeah. and things where you think like, oh, there's something here, there, that that's not the only role that he was made to play. But I think when you make that many sign-ins and you make sign-ins that are, you know, your McAllisters, your, your Sosbalais, where you're seeing how fantastic they are very early on in the season, I kind of worry that he might just end up falling to the bottom of the list and being someone that you just lash in you know when you need a few extra when, when you need someone to rest their legs but also I think it's been clear that he's not that because Klopp hasn't just brought him on when players look tired he's brought him on when he wants to make tactical changes or when he needs to really inject something into a match so he obviously sees what's there I guess we just haven't been able to see it kind of realised to its full potential just yet and I made up for him like he obviously looks very happy with it but I think it's been something that's been coming and it's a real moment for him now in his Liverpool career where we get to see the footballer that he's going to get to be for us One of the things I liked about it Mike, the goal was how much he didn't stand on ceremony. It's a great goal. And it's just, you know, he scored a flick header in front of the cop, but it's a great goal. It's in a league game. He just wants the ball back. And he's not played. You know, and I, I, I do mean this with, with all the relevant respect. You know, the Stuttgart side he played in didn't need to win every home game. Didn't need to win every week. Didn't, you know, that wasn't the onus. The extent to which there's no standing on ceremony. Get the ball, let's go. We've got to get another one here. To me... It suggests he's in as what the whole project is because the whole project for this week is nine out of nine. The whole project rests on in weeks like this one, getting nine out of nine. And, mm. and the fact that he is all in on that and he's not resting on any laurels whatsoever when the easiest thing to do would have been to give it the big one in front of the cop, to yeah. me, says he's all in on the whole thing. Yeah, and maybe that's the thing where they've, they are a bit smarter than what we we always think and know from the outside, that they, 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 they will have known him as a footballer. Because I'm not, I'm not sure there's a footballer walk on the face of the earth that they don't at least know the name of. And then, so when you play in international football, then you, they'll know the ins and outs of in terms of what the ability is. Like that's just got to be the way football works. And in, in my in my eyes, if there's a Premier League team walking around who's just got like the normal scouts who go and watch the Sunday League games, that must be mental. So we we must have known a, a little bit about him. But now he's been in and amongst the squad and amongst everyone for for months now, training week in week out. You know, being thrown in whenever he's he's available to, and and yeah, he's found it a little bit tough at first, maybe in terms of the game looking like it might have been passed him by. But that's I don't think it might be a case anymore. He's a lot better on the ball than I ever thought he was from the first couple of games he had, and that's a that's a thing that we've seen a lot. It's, it feels like we've said it for time and memoriam, doesn't it? About oh, Robinson came in and and didn't really get a, a crack because Moreno kept him out. Fabinho was awful at, at um, Arsenal away. 
in his first season, <laughs> but you know, you remember that was just a. a I worry about that Fabinho performance is getting worse over time. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought it was a. I remember thinking it was a bit of a shock alive, but I do worry, worry yeah. over time. But I think like he, so. could, he couldn't put his boots on. You know what I mean? That's sort of where it's ended up. Hit the socks on the wrong way around. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like we've seen it, and, and players do get better when like it's it's an obvious thing to say, isn't it? Bit of rhythm, as Klopp always bangs on about, and. Mm. It's not just the rhythm of playing. He's, he's, he's training every day for us, and he's, he's getting the minutes. And and that's the sort of goal that I think, like you know, we can get carried away, can't we? And saying, oh yeah, he X or Y is shit. You wouldn't get a you wouldn't get a game of Buckley and then you've got Huffin, and then what Aruenzo is banging it in with the, with the most precise curl, like just side footed have that. And I'm walk like just. I'm not telling you now. I'm not doing what he's doing, getting the ball and getting. I'm I'm head first into the cop. <laughs> Applaud me now. <laughs> and, and, and then I'll get back and win the game. But yeah, he's he's slowly, I think, integrated into the group really well. And they all like him. He seems like a really sound fella, doesn't he? Mm. He was made up about hearing his kids' first day from back from school in a new city and stuff like that. And maybe now it's just coming to the boil a little bit with him now at the right time in this this mad part of the season where you just you're on a treadmill and you can't get off. The, 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 there was something, Josh, on when he signed, where there was the Anfield after a lot of shows, a lot of people wanted to find out more about him because people didn't know much about him mm. uh, at the moment where he signs because he had been playing for Stuttgart. But one of the things that was said there was when he first got in, it took him three or four months at Stuttgart to, to get his place to get attention in training, to sort of get up to the the, the the level of everyone else and to assert himself a little bit. To me, that it is a cameo, but it's a cameo, let's be clear, he comes on and Liverpool are getting beat 3-2. The final whistle goes and Liverpool are winning 4-3. And I think there's there's something in there where I feel as though there was a bit of an, a, an assertion of personality. He gets on the pitch, he looks after the ball, he moves the ball fast. A lot of the issues that were creeping in, I think they were there all the way through for Gravenberg, but were creeping in more and more as the game wore on. They get fixed, they get resolved. He makes more sense in a sentiment too, next to Trent in that period of time. And I wonder whether or not maybe, you know, without sort of overstating it off the back of, of not much in terms of time on the pitch, I do sort of wonder whether or not he is perhaps a little readier to come to the party now than he was in August and maybe a little readier to come to the party than we thought. Yeah, well, you know, he benefited as part of a two. Maybe maybe that was to do with it considering he's accustomed to playing as part of a two for Stuttgart at times. And I think as the, the character that you're touching on there, I think that's probably one of the main reasons we signed him, to be honest, just the personality behind him, the fact he's captain of Japan and he's got this really, you know, all these positive traits attached to him. I think when we first got linked with him, a lot of the Bundesliga journalists, they were, they were mainly touching on what he's like as a person as opposed to what he's like as a player. And I think if you if you look at, say, for example, a Henderson, who Klopp has publicly said, like, when he's not playing, he's not great to have around. I think he knew Endo was probably not going to be like that and he was going to be able to come in like this when he's being benched and, and maybe not playing as much minutes as he'd like and he'll just contribute immediately without you know kicking up a fuss or anything like that and he'll just do it naturally. And, um, I remember watching like the clips around when he signed and I must admit when he signed like, I was very like is this is this lad good enough for Liverpool? Do you know what I mean? Um, and I still am a little bit like that but when, when I watched the clips around him sign and listen to his interview and stuff it was. It's really hard not to just watch that stuff and and, and be like and, and not be like. I I just want him to do well. I really want him to do well. I think out of all the signs we brought in, he was one that I wanted to. I just hope he fits in. You know, I hope I hope he delivers and because it clearly meant a lot to him. You know, back end of his career and stuff. And he seems like a nice fellow and stuff. And I think one of the things we've been surprised about as well with him is he looks to me better on the ball than off it. Which mm. you know, considering the tag of like this destroyer. Um, you know, he'll put a foot in, he's wearing a mouth guard and all this. 
But with the ball, he's really neat and tidy. And I think yeah. a lot of people have been surprised by that. And the strike kind of epitomises that, really. It's John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap with some great ideas for gifts for you or your family and friends for this Christmas and beyond, courtesy of Liverpool Football Club. On top of the fantastic stadium tours, museum trips and the very popular Anfield Ab Sale, Liverpool are now offering two new VIP experience days which are the perfect gift for any Red. Firstly, the Anfield Experience offers a premium guided stadium tour, a Q&A with an LFC legend hosted by LFC TV presenter Steve Hoddersall, where they will share personal memories and anything you've always wondered about what it's like to play for the Reds. There's live music and other entertainment throughout the day and the entrance to the LFC Museum. And for the ultimate Anfield experience, you get all of that plus an unforgettable football experience at the AXA Melbourne facility, travelling there on an LFC bus. You'll experience firsthand the training and development techniques used at LFC to coach the next generation of Reds players. You'll also get additional top tips from the LFC legend on the day before going back to Anfield to hear more from the legend in one of the best lounges in the stadium by stepping off the bus and walking through the players' entrance before receiving a premium LFC gift pack. Both packages also include food, drinks and discount vouchers for the LFC store. Now a few of us were lucky enough to go on the Ultimate Anfield experience and what a fantastic day it was to be in there in the stadium with the legend, hearing his stories about what it was like to play for Liverpool with the pitch in the background was absolutely incredible but getting on that bus going up to Melwood and training on those fantastic pitches was something I'll never, ever forget. So I was really lucky to do that. But you could be lucky as well if you want to buy yourself uh, the Ultimate LFC Experience or you want to get it for one of your loved ones as well. What a gift, as I say, for this Christmas or any big birthdays or anniversaries coming up as well. The Anfield Experience costs £150 for adults and £80 for children, while the Ultimate LFC Experience with that training thrown in costs £445. However, you can get a 10% discount if you order either package before Christmas with the code AWAE10. That is A-W-A-E-10. If you put that code in on checkout, you'll get 10% off both those packages. So book now at liverpoolfc.com forward slash stadium hyphen tours. It is the Anfield Wrap free week. And if you're enjoying this, you should share it with your friends. I'm sure you've got many people you go the match with, watch the match with, wherever you are in the world. And the Anfield Wrap is there every single day. So feel free to share this free show with anyone who may be listening. And also uh, then consider them subscribing, you subscribing, anyone who you've wanted to think should be subscribing to the Anfield Wrap. Get them into it as well. It is the Anfield Wrap's free week. It is a big December. It's an Advent offering. See it as a pre-Christmas present. But the true presence will be us all enjoying the Reds together. Sign up now. Moving it along, then, Mike. We we, we started off, you know, pre-Fulham. We all said it had to be nine v nine, nine from nine. I think we expected Fulham to be obviously a little bit more straightforward. Um, as as the way Fulham gone added nerves to that, Mike. Well, you just think in the cold light today. Well, they got the three points. We wanted three points. They got three points. If they'd won one nil with a last minute winner or an eighty eighth minute winner from Trent Alexander Arnold, you know that's the way it goes. How? What do you think? Do you think there are ramifications for Fulham internally with us? Do you know what I mean? What do you think? No, I, I'm, I think in a weird way, I'm pleased that we we fought back and won, and and now we've got something to hang on. Like 
we can point at different points in pre seasons gone by of like wasn't this a, a, a big result or mm. you know what didn't that turn our season round and, and players in that dressing room will, a lot of them anyway have moved on now from from nineteen twenty but there's still there's still quite a few of them there knocking around going uh, that that felt a bit like Villa that you know even though you know Villa was away I thought it was interesting seeing Robertson coming off with Trent yeah, yeah. you see what I mean there was an element there which I thought it was almost like Robertson was saying hey I tell you what the band's back. Yeah, he was like, oh, I he probably he was probably thinking to himself, I can't wait to be, and he's probably saying to Trent as well, I can't wait till my arms back, my shoulders back, and I'm, I'm back on the pitch there with you. That was boss. It feels like we're, something's bubbling here, and if if they've got that mentality going into this game, then even if it does become a bit sticky, they've always got that thing of like the most m- most recent muscle memory is well, we probably should have beat Fulham a lot easier. We could easily do that, and we and on another day we we probably will. But like, let's not get too down on ourselves. That's even if we've encouraged Sheffield United into some sort of game. I think they they are of the opinion as as of all of us as fans are that at the minute the points matter. The bigger games are coming, and as long as we're we're ticking into them games with the points on the board and not feeling like we're missing opportunities to get them, we'd be a lot happier. And look, we we could easily just go right. Let's put that behind us and get the first goal and roll down the hill to a four five nil and 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 feel a lot better about. The, the way the general performance is and just to be able to say well Fulham was a one-off but I don't think we should be thinking that I think we should we should be using it as a fillet really and saying look we, we know we're capable of that even if you know we're, we're not the best and we're a little bit at sixes and sevens at the back and uh, Fulham's midfield basically ran through it a couple of times on the break and they need to just say look we, we've, we've absolutely got that on our locker now but let's not dip in the well too many times for that and let's, let's try and start better I think I know they're completely different fixtures, both in terms of like <laughs> the teams that you're going up against, but also what they mean and the results. But I feel like that and City are both really good examples of Liverpool just digging in and getting it done. And I know they're like very different performances, but I think that it, that Fulham one is at points a bit scrappy and a bit daft and a bit mad and silly. But the takeaway from it is even when it doesn't look like we're doing brilliantly, we'll score two goals in a minute and like you'll get to see probably one of the best goals you'll see all season as part of that. And I just think they both give me actually loads of confidence rather than being like, oh, Ooh, I wonder what will happen against Sheffield here or like Fulham should have been easier I, I, when you when you look back at that Fulham game you, I, I don't think you can be filled with anything other than confidence in this Liverpool side On this then going to Sheffield United there's chaos um, in the gap between when I recorded with Anna who's coming up in a second yeah. Josh and uh and when we came into this room, uh, Chris Wilder was appointed, uh, confirmed that he was back as manager, that Heckingbottom has gone. That took longer than people anticipated. Um, could well be a financial thing. There are injuries in there. They have become, over the course of the season, uh, and it was sort of like a playoff for it on Saturday, if we're all honest, the saddest of the promoted teams, uh, and it was a competitive field. But they had been tough at home, and it's worth pointing that out. They were tough at home for Manchester United. They were tough at home for Manchester City. They were tough at home for Crystal Palace. They were tough at home for Everton. Yes, they ship eight to Newcastle, and you've got to bear that in mind. But I don't think it necessarily will be or has been in the past a cakewalk. No, it's a, it's a difficult one for me to kind of predict, to be honest. I, I keep saying to you, don't I, that like I'm expecting a sticky, horrible game where it's not particularly fluid, and it's it's a late kickoff type pitch, Terrible weather, it's freezing cold and um, Liverpool have shown to have some issues when it comes to breaking down a block maybe when they can't rely on transitions and, and maybe the set pieces aren't quite working. If they've got to open up a block with with you know intricate possession play and things, it's, it can make things a little bit tricky. I think Chris Wilder getting appointed, obviously he can't work miracles but I think 
appointing him for me would would impact kind of just defensive focus maybe in terms of being switched on and concentrated for the new managers and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting them to be relatively well drilled, but then at the same time, it is Liverpool. It's it's a group of much better players, um, better manager. We will be preparing for the team who are probably only going to have at a push one session with their new coach. So it, it could really go any way, to be honest. Liverpool, I would not be surprised if Liverpool comfortably walked this, but I also wouldn't be surprised at all if it was a really, like, cagey affair where we win 1-0 or whatever. Like, the City game, the, the United game and the Spurs game that they've played this season, they, they, they won them all. Actually, they lost them all by one goal, and, and all of them were late goals. So that shows that they can be kind of that stubborn, you know, Opponent that you're kind of throwing loads of punches at, but they're not quite getting knocked out. They're not quite, you know. Uh, I think it might be one of them. But listen, I, I, I'm hopeful that it's not. I'm hopeful that Liverpool are going to just kind of. I think the, the first goal's a big one. I think if we score first, it should just be a comfortable one, yeah. But if we, if we, if they maybe get to the break with with, with the scores level nil nil or something like that, then it it could be one of them. To be honest. Okay. Well, here on Sheffield United is Anna Wilson. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. To discuss uh, matters pertaining to Sheffield United with me, uh, I've got Anna Wilson. And normally, Anna, before I do these conversations, I've got a real um, sense of confidence that I know uh, some of the basics, like e.g. who the manager is. Um, and yet, at the time of recording, I've got absolutely no sense as to who will be looking after the, 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 the Sheffield United team for this game coming up against Liverpool. Yesterday morning, I was pretty convinced it might be Chris Wilder's first game back. Now, I don't quite see how that can be the case because I don't see how he could be taking training sessions unless it's all happening uh, in the dark of night. What is your current understanding of, of of who will be Sheffield United's manager for the visit to Liverpool? About the same as you, which is that a lot. So, um, yeah, have not got a clue. Obviously, I, I was of the same impression is you it was just before nine yesterday when the story broke that he was going to get attacked and very shortly after that it was that wilder would be taking over so i was like okay but then yeah nothing literally nothing since the um the sheffield united chefs on instagram broke the broke the story that they were leaving and then and then, and then deleted it very quickly so they they seem to be the only people that have officially done some sort of comment but yeah who knows I, i'm quite good at football manager it could be me <laughs> I'm, I'm, to be honest, I, I mean, I'd be concerned if it was. Uh, but, but <laughs> there is, a, as part of this, I, I want to sort of take it one step at a time. We spoke before the season started, and one of the things you did not want was for it to go this wrong for Hecking Bottom. I think you always had the, accept the acceptance that almost certainly Sheffield Giants were going to be playing Championship football next season, but you didn't want it to go like this for Hecking Bottom. It's the way it's gone, and let me ask a really sort of soft question first and foremost. What's your feeling and the general feeling about the way in which it's gone? I think, yeah. Well, so we spoke before the start of the season, and I, I would have said I wouldn't. I wouldn't have generally wanted him sacked because he's he's been dealt a, a pretty of a bit of a rubbish hand this season. Obviously, we sold two of our best players, you know, just before the start of the season. They were both out of contract within a year, so we di we didn't get you know as much money as we as, as they were worth, certainly to us. So 
and I, I probably I would have said that I would have wanted him still to, still to be the manager, but then some of the performances have have, have just been so poor, and I just think he he hasn't really acknowledged it. You know whether he's just being you know being supportive to the players in public and and you know giving him a, a rollicking in private. I don't know, but sometimes you do need him to come out and say yeah that, that wasn't acceptable and and we need to do better. And really up until the post match interview after after Burnley he hasn't really done that, and you know. One thing with with Wilder, I'm not necessarily sure he's the right person to come back in, but he at least called a spade a spade and and said, you know, this isn't acceptable. And if it is him that comes in, then then so be it. And I don't think he put up with some of the the performances that that some of them have been putting in. So there's, there's at least that. Just on on those performances, I think it's, and I don't, I genuinely don't mean this to sort of sound as as though I'm attacking you. I think I think that it's easy to to talk a certain game before a season starts, but the reality of being 14 games in. And 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 living those football matches, I think it. I think it is something quite different. I think I think it's the missed part. But you you live football matches. You don't get to sort of calmly analyse them in the cold light of day and say that this play is not good enough. That play is not good enough. It it does take a toll, and it is a lot of very poor and really rather ill-disciplined performances. That is fair, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And you know, Saturday was a, was a was a perfect example of that with with McBurney, obviously, and. No, it's not just him. It's you know simple things we're not doing right, and you know I, I used to play football when I was younger. I was never very good, but I always tried very hard. So, and sometimes you just you think that isn't even there. I feel like some of them aren't trying very hard, or they they just haven't quite got the the right mentality. And whether that's that he's, he's lost the dressing room, or you know they're just very low on confidence. I, I don't know. I, I I can't put my finger on it. I, I wouldn't have expected it to, certainly to go this badly. Certainly, I can aff- you know you can. You can see teams getting getting spanked even when they've not played that bad. But we, we, in all those games that where we've been absolutely hammered, we've played really, really, really bad. Is it fair to say that the, whilst the Burnley game looks an absolute stinker and was a bit of a stinker, the first hour against Bournemouth is maybe as much, if not more, of the issue because that was at Bramall Lane, and the idea that Bournemouth saunter into a three 0 lead without, you know, just looking streets above. Was that really a game where everyone just sort of looked at each other and went, "This is this is untenable"? I think possibly, yeah. I think, like you say, because it was a home game, and yeah. obviously the we'd got we've been beaten five 0 by Arsenal and eight 0 by Newcastle. You know, but both very good teams. You know, a couple of the best teams in the league, and then you know we've got a game against Bournemouth. The first, what you would look at in a not not necessarily winnable, but maybe not a losable game in the run that we had, and you think, yeah, we, we've got a bit of got a bit of an opportunity, and we would yeah we were just shocking from from minute one and. You know, but we were about to go into halftime one nil down, where we could have, you know, made some changes and maybe come back and got back into it. And then the goalkeeper makes the most ridiculous mistake, and then you you two nil down at, at halftime and already playing really badly, and you've got no chance of coming back. So you mentioned before about Wilder. Why are you not? Why are you not convinced that him coming back could be the right move? I just think he's not a long term appointment. I think it's a it's a short term strategy, really. And I, I get that beggars can't be choosers, maybe and we're probably not the not the most attractive prospect and not just that we won't be able to attract a decent manager because we won't be able to pay him very much and I wouldn't be surprised if the delay in getting rid of Heckingbottom is, is because we're trying to negotiate a smaller payoff I don't, I've got no inside information but I know that the owner has got no money so um, I just think you know it didn't end well for him you know some of those performances that we're putting in that in the season where he left were, were poor not quite as poor as we're doing now they always had a bit more fight with them but I just I don't know. I just don't know if if him coming back is necessarily the right thing. Very happy to be proven wrong, and he will certainly have a 
a point to prove and, and that might work in our favour. But, you know, I, I'm not under any illusions that it's lacking to keep us up or anything like that. I think that it, this is the core difficulty, I think, because where I think this, this conversation is is tricky and tricky in the context of Heckingbottom, but it comes back to sort of an attitude, no one, is that there's... It is about sort of the quality of the footballers. You can only do so much with the footballers you've got, but if those footballers cease to believe or cease to put the effort in, which I think is the thing that you're sort of, you're describing here, then that's when it becomes hard for the paying public. But it is worth saying that, you know, you don't think within reason anyone's coming in to save the day. It's as much about keeping the show on the road into next year. Definitely, and it's, it's as much about keeping the fans on side as you possibly can. But we do, we do have a few good players, you know, they're not, they're not all bad. You know, we've, yeah, yeah. we've signed some decent players and you just think he's not, I don't, I also think that Heckingbottom's not, not getting the best out of those and, you know, he's playing, he's playing Hamer sort of on, on, almost on the wing now. Hamer was presented to the best player in the championship last season in a, in a defensive but box-to-box midfield role and he's not playing him in that same role and I just, I don't know, he's some makes some strange decisions, some tra- strange tactics. He's, he's, he's never been the most positive um, and that, that doesn't help. I don't think it doesn't, doesn't stand him in, in great stead when he doesn't he doesn't seem very bold and, and he he doesn't make a lot of quick decisions like he brought on he made two half two half time substitutions against Bournemouth and I can't remember last time he did anything at half time he normally just waits a bit too long and he's he's just a little bit ponderous I think but yeah he's just I don't know if it's just that they've stopped trying or that a lot of them have reached the ceiling I think a lot of them might have reached the ceiling the last season we're in the Premier League and we just had a good a good season last last season in the Championship to sort of paper over the cracks really I think there's I think there's people that shouldn't still be at the club, maybe. But um, you know, again, I'm not not in charge of those decisions. But I think that's not not the greatest of ideas is to keep some of these players on in, into the well into the 30s when they're already on a decline. Just as so as as part of what to expect, the players who let's go through the players who may well you know be in a position where there's there's the idea that they have got something to give. You mentioned Hamer, uh, Cameron Archer. I think looks an excellent uh, finisher. Um, I think he looked terrific in front yeah. of goal. Uh, in there, there's been a little bit of money spent on Trusty as well. Uh, in the in the summer, just gone from Arsenal, 24 year old defender. How does he look? He's been okay. Um, you would say that a couple of times he's been at direct fault for goals, but it's like when we lost five 0 to Arsenal, one of them was his fault, you know, and things like that. But to be fair, he's come into a defence that weren't performing well, and and probably has done as well as can be. Um, but you know, he's, it's again, it's his first season at this level. He he played well in a pretty Paul to average Birmingham team a season before last and he really hasn't got a lot of um, sorry last season he hasn't got a huge amount of experience you've got a feel for these feel for these guys you know he was trusting when we had all the injuries and and things like that but yeah and Archer looks a great player but all, all we're doing is just banging it up along to him he's not going to win things in the air you're not you know I, I feel a bit sorry for the lad because he is obviously an excellent player and I think to be fair when Bernie's been on his game we've been playing together they've looked decent but he's played on his own for quite a lot and or, or with McAtee, who's not even a striker, is, is a number 10, really. But it is, it, we're not playing to his strengths at all. But I think he's done remarkably well to score as many goals as he has even done. Uh, and McAtee looks bright on load from City. Yeah, he is. But the problem is that if we play him and then two other midfielders, is we've been playing Norwood and, and, and Souza, who, who are about two of the most immobile and unathletic central midfielders you can get. And I just... It's the fact that he's been persisting and playing them both together. They're both slow. Souza can hardly pass the ball, and and you know Norwood's not not the most athletic, even though he can put a tackle in. So I, I just think it's there's things that the fans have been seeing for weeks that he just doesn't really seem to have quite acknowledged aren't going to work. So 
this brings us into Wednesday. You know, it's, it's worth pointing out that earlier in the campaign, it takes a late Manchester City winner um, to to get something at Bramall Lane. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, an excellent strike from from Dallow to, to break the deadlock uh, against Manchester United. There's a win in there against Wolves. They were a good side. And yes, it was contentious given the penalty, but it was still one all. I will point out as the game uh, gets into its conclusion, there's a two all against Everton. There's only uh, a 1-0 defeat against Palace. My point here is that with the exception of that game against Newcastle and that first hour against Bournemouth, Teams haven't been going to Bramall Lane and whacking Sheffield United. No, I think, I don't know what it is in terms of, you know, obviously when we played the biggest team, when we played Man City and Spurs, you know, we seem to have a bit of a game plan and a bit of an identity in those games that we haven't really had in any of the others. I think that's the thing that's really done for us this season. We've not got a, a defined way of playing. We've not got a playing style. You can't say, oh, they're going to play like this or they're going to play like that. But generally, obviously against the bigger teams, you, you go in a lot more defensive Um and that seems to have helped us. And I think other than obviously against Arsenal, they're the only, only one of the bigger teams that spanked us. But we we did have a bit of a a bit more of a, a, a purpose, really, and a bit more of an idea of what we were doing in the in the games where, we, where we're, we're going to be defended a lot. And we just haven't had that in the others. Like, we beat Wolves, but they were pretty poor. You know, all intents and purposes, Everton were, were equally as poor in the other game. And obviously Brighton, the only other points we got were when they had, um, when they had 10 men. So... Much people haven't been coming and absolutely battering us on the whole. We've it's because we've been playing very, very defensively. I think really, and that's that's what you will, no matter who the manager is. That that's what Liverpool have got in store for them on 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 Wednesday. Yes, there's defensive injuries, but Sheffield United will rely on having a deep block, blocking where they can, frustrating Liverpool, and going from there. Definitely, and you know, getting a bit on the break. That's what we did against Man City. We scored one on the break, and and you know, the goalkeeper made a lot of saves and. To be fair, as much as he had a lot of shots, there wasn't that many from inside the box and things like that. So we, we got a bit lucky on those. But yeah, that's absolutely what's going to happen. Uh, you know, even in the games in our first season of the Premier League against you, when when we did obviously we didn't we didn't get any points, but we did we did play a bit better. We were still certainly on on the defensive side because suicides play any other way, isn't it? Against you, so it's it's yeah. I don't, don't see how else you can you can play against against you guys or any of the top the top teams really. Um. So give me a prediction. Uh, you know, I could not tell you. It could be double figures based on what's happened before, or it could, you know, some, either Wilder or someone else could come in, and and the fans will be happy to see the back of Heckingbottom, and it'll galvanise us. I, I could, you know, what? It's that point where anything could happen. But I, I don't think for a minute that we'll get anything out of the game. But it, it just depends how how badly it goes. Is it is it a one nil or is it a seven or an eight nil again? I, I hope not. I, could, I really don't want to don't want to sit through another one of them. Uh, excellent stuff from Anna. Uh, let's get back over. Great stuff from Anna. Um, from a Liverpool point of view, Amelia, I feel as though there's not, if you are Chris Wilder, for instance, and I'm sure you know he, the analysts are still working at Sheffield United, but I think it's actually quite a difficult Liverpool selection to predict. Um, you know, middle of this quite intensive week, yeah. a few Liverpool players who might be aggrieved not to have got on the pitch uh, against Fulham at the weekend. Elliot and Jones, I think, will both have questions to ask of the manager, not to say that they've got a divine right to be on the pitch, but both have played well and been good subs this season. They didn't feature at all. We've mentioned before about Endo. Uh, so Bosley didn't perform. Gravenberg, it felt like he was running to the ground. That's mm-hmm. just the midfield. I think elsewhere, does he want to ask Shimakas to go three times in a week? I think in attack, he'll ask Salah to go three times in a week. But what does he do with the others? My point here being that if Chris Wilder rang me and went, what do you think the team's going to be, Akko? I'd say, well, there's a lot more questions than answers, to be honest with you, Chris. Yeah, I think the fact that the European game is a dead rubber makes it 
completely different because I think we've talked recently about like the lads that get to have a bit more of a run around than they might have otherwise in a season. And I guess this fixture being placed when it is means that you're almost kind of having to dole out which of the lads that don't get as many minutes on the pitch get this start in the league and then which ones get the Europa League start and then how do you kind of make that all work. But yeah, I think you're right about Salah not because I think it's Salah that's saying to Jürgen, another start, please. Might I I please go again and again and again and again. Um, I'd be very surprised if we saw Graf and Birch um, and I think I'd be amazed if Harvey Elliott doesn't start are my only real predictions that I'm able to make I think other than the obvious in terms of what's happening at the back do you think that's fair? Would you be amazed? Would you think? I I I think with Elliot, I think it's an intriguing one. If I am Elliot, I am mm. I'm I'm probably cross if I don't start. To be fair, and he seems like a lovely boy, etc. etc. Loves shaking to pieces, I'm sure. But I think he would you would understand if you were in his WhatsApp groups and he's messaging at six forty five. So, well, seven six fifteen. I think it's the seven thirty kickoff. Don't get caught sleeping on that. Uh, six fifteen <laughs> going. I've just seen the team and I'm not in it. Yeah, well, to be fair, like I said on a Monday pod that I think Elliot's got a, a, a good show for this just because I think the, the nature of the game and what mm. it might be like suits his, his kind of creative technical skill set. I think that's one of his best perks. And um, he didn't come on and play a single minute against Fulham, so he fully rested, even though at times we kind of could have done with a player like that. So I think Elliot's definitely got a shout, yeah. But the question mark would just be where he plays because he's kind of in competition with Sobuslai and Salah. That's why it's so difficult for him to get on the pitch. But one thing we kind of haven't considered is, bear in mind, like this year, this season we're in the Europa League um, in comparison to the Champions League and at the sixth game in the group is, is as you say, a dead rubber. That hasn't always been the case. So I think we're, we're kind of going into it thinking vintage Klopp. He usually rotates heavily. It could be a mad one. But there's also the prospect of of it not being mad at all, and he just goes completely the same team, and the mad one is next week in the Europa League when he can do that because he can't usually do that each season. So he he might just kind of go again, you know. Like that, I think that's a possibility that we should throw out there. I think some players will definitely have a shout for minutes. Well, so. not, do you think you'll not have a, a, an eye on? He's not even. Hey, let's be clear. He's not Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. He's Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. If you see what I mean, like, you know, it is the tightest turnaround. It's when they're playing Wednesday evening, they'll finish at about 9.15, they're kicking off again at 12.30 on Saturday. Do you know, it is, yeah, it yeah. does, like, I think we can say, I take your point and you could be right, but it is, you know, it, it is three games in seven days. It's not three games in nine days. It, yeah. it, you know, or even, you know, the Palace game could have been a Monday night, at which point it might well be a different conversation again, if you see what I mean, but it isn't. It is the earliest possible kickoff. Yeah, yeah. And but, one of our one of our gifts, Josh, for the game against Palace is that we have got a deeper squad than them. <laughs> if you see what I mean, like one of the things that we can take into Palace is we are the ones. Now it might be that he just takes it into Palace and, and maybe even does it the other way, goes quite close to this one and then assesses everyone for Palace and says, actually, I'm going to pick the fresh boys. There's a chance he does that, but just sort of see me point here. That's part of yeah, yeah. why we should be favourites to be Palace is because they're not used to three games in a week. We are, but also we've got the depth. Yeah, but I think what I'm kind of getting at though in terms of like it could be not a mad one at all and he could just kind of go again That what I'm kind of suggesting there is I'm reinforcing the point that we, we have no clue yeah. when it comes to this yeah, game yeah. in terms of a lineup. you know it is really difficult to predict this one in terms of who he's going to select and who he's not it does feel like there's certain fixed starters like a Kelleher Trent Van Dijk Salah I mean, there's not much there's not much outside of that I'd say McAllister but he's got he had that little knock didn't he um, Sobuslai only played an hour I'm inclined to think he will play but then we've just made a case for Elliot in the same spot. <laughs> and getting Gakpo, you know, I think is has probably done enough lately to on, get 
on, on pre-season and that though, Mike, I think there's an interesting couple of pre-season things here where in pre-season, McAllister played right-sided at eight and Sobosly played left-sided at eight. So it wouldn't be mad for him to, for instance, and there's actually 15 minutes in the game uh, against Fulham where Sobosly plays left-sided at eight and Gravenberg goes right-sided at eight. He does that for a period on the game. I don't think it's mad to think he might, for instance, for instance, if he really wants to play Elliot, he can play Elliot right-sided, play Sobosly left-sided and play McAllister in the six. I think there's a universe where he might start Endo, still play McAllister, but play him in the eight because, firstly, that's what he was in the first place identified for, but also, secondly, the nature of the idea that they've got a low block. Maybe you want McAllister's cleverness and touch in that area, and this is the point here where you really can talk yourself into and out of anything as Josh has just done in terms of what it is that he could do because whilst... The, the funny thing is that whilst I don't think, you know, there's not a nailed on 11 in terms of the fact that the, or even 14 who are well better, he has got, I think, he, I think he'd say himself, he has got sort of 18 to 20 good options mm. right the way through the pitch and with five probably quite guaranteed to get a place. It's, it's we sort of, sort of, everyone was panicking about the midfield in the summer, weren't he? And then we bought four. Now you're looking at it thinking, we bought four. And then you've got like the, jo- the Jones things, Jones and Elliot, uh, Elliot's been really good off the bench. And he's knocking on the door so much, but in a, in, a, in a sort of weird way, class probably going, well, you boss off the bench, though, you know, lad. Like you, you you watch the game. Endo, I think Endo done it a bit at the weekends. Watch the game. This is what I need to be. There it is. Turn the game around, we win. Elliot's been like that an awful lot this season as well. And I think Klopp will be going, well, I can start Enzo. And then I can get me, me McAllister diddle on the on the right-hand side. And then I've got I've got 55 minutes, 60 minutes to go. Have a break, lad. You're playing Saturday. Here's Elliot. Here's Jones. Here's Sabozlai. Even if he hasn't started, there's Gavin Birch again. Like, it's actually, it's nice to see that we've got a blend there now. And it, as you mentioned there, all, all round the squad, you know, Joss is out of, of course now. But the, the the front three, what you do? Is there a, is there an even a move Salah into the middle diddle and play Elliot and another midfielder? Is that the way he gets the minutes into them and and sees the game start and maybe that way? It's it's it, it, I I could see that. And only because he didn't get off the pitch at all, Elliot, at the weekend, and I was, I was, I was expecting him to just because of the way he's been getting off the bench and turning games around. So it, it could be a thing where he goes off fancy, a fancy mo for sixty minutes there. Then we'll bring Gakpo on, or, or we'll bring a Nunes off the bench. It's, 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 it's just good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be making the decision. By the way, as much as I'd love to be Liverpool manager, you're gonna have someone absolutely pissed off with you every single week. And if Curtis Jones is one of them, I reckon you'll be known about it. Because like he'd be like, come on, I'm, I'm boss here. But put me on. And the same with Elliot, same with Nunes, Gakpo, Diaz, all, all right the way through. I bet you even Gerald Quanson, I was thinking, you, you throw me in in big games here, mate. You threw me on when you were you know, well, trailing at Newcastle. And um, <laughs> you threw me on then. You, you, I, I got Wolves. So uh, where's my where's my start? I'll, I'll be I'll be the one to give Canate or Verge a rest. On Quanza there, just because... On um, three strikes, you know, we were saying about like the young players and what role they have this season, where it's like there's a difference between young players like Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, who are like obviously getting starts kind of regularly, routinely, and then like Kwanzaa and Clark and like Doak. But do you think even in a fixture like this and in a week like this, you still don't see the younger players like that getting starts? Maybe they're on the bench, but I don't know if they even come on really. Well, I think I think how the game goes will dictate whether or not they come on, because I think mm. there's a universe where if he has, I think he will have Doak and Kwanzaa on the bench. Mm. And if, for instance, Liverpool are comfortable in the game yeah. you know I, th- I think he'll for instance want to protect Virgil yeah. you know, if he can but he's not going to he's not going to take Virgil off if the game's even 2-0 no. but if the game goes today then he might think well I can do Quanta today for Virgil we all trust Quanta we think he's yeah. doing a good job and I'm going to be starting Virgil against Crystal Palace so mm. you know getting a bit of rest into him similarly I think Doak <clears throat> maybe even gets some time against Fulham 
if Liverpool don't concede, the, the equaliser to go 1-1, go 2-0 yeah. instead. Second half, go 3-0, and suddenly, before you know where you are, actually, Ben, don't get a little bit of time on the pitch. I mm-hmm. think, though, and to go back to the, 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 the point, Josh, first and foremost, he has got five subs, but I also think the thing that Fulham going the way it does does do is it means that he hasn't been able to, for instance, get any rest into any of the starting front three. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 the Fulham game, which he may well wanted to have, wanted to have done, and he's done in the past. I think he tends to take those players off a little bit, uh, one or two of those off a little bit quicker. He's not been able to do that. You know, he's had to, for instance, give Trent the full ninety. He had to give Virgil the full ninety. He's sent it out, and he's going to definitely start him in this one. Shimakas has had to uh, go the full uh, the full hit as well. And I think prior to Fulham, we might have had a bit of an eye on if we can get a few of these lads off. Great, and I think it'll be a bit of that again in this one. While simultaneously, no one, but I might also need the bench to win the game if Josh's sense of the game, where it's really sticky, comes into come, comes into play as well. Yeah, it's it's such a difficult one to predict. It really is, and, and you know, going back to what to what Mike said before, in terms of uh, it's difficult to keep players happy. I suppose one of the ways in which you can do that is by just staying in every competition mm-hmm. and rotating as much as you can between your kind of like 16, 17 starting quality players, um, kind of every three days and. If Elliot's playing like every three, every like once a week as a starter, which he kind of has been considering the domestic cups in the Europa League, he's not really going to feel like he's not involved, even though the actual business Premier League stuff, he's probably, you know, he's coming on for like the last 25 minutes at times and things like that. I think if he were out of the Europa League, I don't think he'd be particularly happy with that, but that's why you keep your players happy, you, you, you keep rotating and... I think Jones is an interesting one as well. We, didn't even, we barely mentioned Jones earlier, and he's another player who, who, who didn't get any any minutes on the pitch at all over the weekend. He's regarded as a kind of a regular starter over Liverpool, and I think he's regarded in, in in himself as a bit more of a senior player now. Certainly more so than, than some of the midfielders who've came in, because Jones has been at the club since like childhood and stuff. So so many players have got genuine shouts, and I think Klopp can genuinely use the large majority of his squad over the course of this Christmas period without us suffering and that that's we, we need I think we should paint that as a, a nice thing. Absolutely. Let's paint it as a nice thing. Um prediction gonna win the game? What did were Burnley five nil? Burnley beat them five nil. But Bournemouth were three nil up against them at Bramall Lane by fifty minutes. I then I think it will be seven nil. <laughs> oh God, don't click that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unbelievable how Chris Wilder's pinning Amelia Bonner on the dressing room wall uh, absolutely do not click that under any circumstances Mike I think it'll be a, a, just a solid 3 or 4 with a, a, a comfortable feel hopefully I, 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 I feel like a shit house now that Amelia just said 7 I don't even want 7 12. I don't want 7 I, I, I honestly I feel as though you, you waste have a rest after 4 though, I feel right? as though you waste the goals you'll need the goals on Saturday against Crystal Palace Josh I think we're going to get beat <laughs> no I think it'll be comfortable I hope it is anyway but I just I have that slight uh, kind of uh, voice in, me on, yeah. on, in one ear like you know it's going to be one of them sticky ones but I, I think we, sh- we should have more than enough this is not a good team these are going to go down you know regardless of Chris Wilder uh, it's just one of them winter um, business schedule late matches you know where the crowd are up and things and everyone's freezing and <laughs> everyone gets injured I don't know hopefully it's not but I think Liverpool will probably end up winning the book 3-0 to be honest okay excellent stuff thank you very much to Anna uh, to Amelia uh, to Mike and uh, to Josh uh, it has been pretty much warm up there's one of these before every game Sports Social Podcast Network